0: Ezekiel 34 and verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. And I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold. And in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat with the strong, I will feed them with judgment." And as for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, between the rams and the he-goats. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture, but ye must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures, and to have drunk of the deep waters, but ye must foul the residue with your feet. And as for the flock, They eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder, and pushed all the disease with your horns, till ye have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, And they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace. And will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in a season. There shall be showers of blessing. Amen. We'll end our reading here at verse 26. We note the Lord will bless again this the reading of his own holy and inspired word we're going to take this evening as our text uh, the words of verse 23 and verse 24 and i will set up one shepherd over them and he shall feed them even my servant david he shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd and i the lord will be their god and my servant david a prince among them i the lord have spoken it let's unite our hearts in prayer please keep your Bible open at Ezekiel 34 23 24 let's all pray please Heavenly Father we thank thee tonight for the privilege of gathering in the name of the Lord Jesus around his own holy word we realise that we need the help of the Holy Ghost even to discern the message of the Lord this evening. And I pray that thou, the Spirit of God, will break the bread of life to us and that you'll show us the glories of Christ, that he would become very clear and dear to each one of us and that that shepherd of our souls may draw very strangely near. I pray for the help and the divine infilling of the Spirit of God. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart might find acceptance in thy sight. I pray this through Christ, our Redeemer's name. Amen. The prophet Ezekiel was called to minister to the kingdom of Judah as that kingdom was coming to an end. The glory days of King David and that of Solomon, they were just passing pages of history now. Centuries later. And the reality of the days of Ezekiel was that the land was facing God's judgment because of its apostasy. The Babylonian captivity was to bring it all to a crashing end. Ezekiel, if you look at his whole life story, he lived in days of momentous political upheaval. You and I think we live in changing days, but the prophet Ezekiel lived in in days where things changed on a regular basis. During his upbringing, he'd witnessed the decline of the power of the Assyrian Empire, the great world power of his day. And then he had witnessed the rise of the Babylonian Empire. Jerusalem, the capital of Judah came under the control of the Egyptians in 609 BC but that wasn't to last too long because in 605 BC Nebuchadnezzar defeated the Babylonian Empire, defeated the Egyptian and the Assyrian Empire in 605 and he took control of Jerusalem and in 603 BC he began the deportations of many of the of the leading elite of Judah. And he took them from Judah to serve in his empire uh, across the world of that day. And amongst those men that were taken would have been Daniel the prophet and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I'm sure Ezekiel and his contemporaries must have wondered who's next, who will go next. Because uh, Judah was being robbed of its prime in order that Nebuchadnezzar and his empire might be made strong political instability continued because of the apostasy the religious departure of judah from uh, the worship of jehovah the end came when the puppet king jehoiakim rebelled against nebuchadnezzar and of course that came that brought everything to an end and the further deportations into babylonian exile and this time ezekiel was carried away so no longer did he prophesy of judgment No longer did he prophesy of the end of Judah. He was now living through it. He was now witnessing it for himself. And he was carried into exile. And he spent the rest of his ministry. Ministering uh, to the Jewish exiles in Babylon. As we read those opening chapters we find that God had been preparing them all along for this ministry. God had been preparing them for ministry in exile. Not in Israel. Chapter 1 verse 3 reveals that when God put his hand upon him he was already 30 years of age. He was a priest. And the rest of the chapter reveals how God revealed himself in those wonderful opening visions of the prophecy of Ezekiel. Chapter 2 then tells of his call. God revealed himself and then God called him Into his service. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit. Entered into him and set him upon his feet. And God told him at the outset. (coughs) Ezekiel. You have been called to minister to a people. Who will not listen to what you have to say. That's not very encouraging was it. But the encouraging thing was. I'll be with you. And regardless. Of how hard their face is. Against you. I will give you strength to minister. The word of God in the day that I have sent you to. And he was sent with a word from God. What was he told to say? Thus saith the Lord. He didn't go with his own ideas. He didn't go with a political counter theology to what was happening in his day. He just went with, Thus saith the Lord. He went with the word of Jehovah. What lessons for our own day? All the political upheaval that's happening in the world round about us and in our own little land we shouldn't be afraid of the looks of the world and we shouldn't be afraid of the opposition of the world. Just like Ezekiel, we have just been sent to declare the word of God in our day as he was in his day to the apostasy that prevailed all round about him. Chapter 3 informs us that he was sent not to entertain the people. He was not sent to court popularity. He was God's watchman. Too many in the church today think of the preacher, the minister, the pastor, that he, as it were, has to be Mr. Popular. Well, God never called us to be popular, God just called us to faithfully give out His word. For the next 27 years, He continued to minister to the Jews of the captivity. He experienced huge personal loss in that time. His wife died. His family was struck by tragedy. But he continued. He didn't give up. And I know many of you are going through challenging personal times. But I just want to encourage you as Ezekiel encourages us tonight. Don't give up. Just continue. Continue despite the opposition and the hardness and the prevalence of the coldness of the day. If you take chapter 1 to chapter 24. You will read there ezekiel's messages of judgment upon the nations of his day the nations even judah and those surrounding nations could not sin with impunity you can't sin and get off with it you can't sin and not expect repercussions from a holy god but in the second half of his prophecy ezekiel then focuses upon the restoration of the people back to the promised land god had told him they would be taken into captivity but there would be a turning of the tide they would be brought back again because God hadn't finished with Judah and God hadn't finished with the Jews in the midst of all of these dire pred- predictions of judgment we find in chapter 34 chapter 37 that he faithfully prophesied of the coming Messiah and there in Babylonian captivity Remember, he is now transported away to a foreign land, ministering to exiles. He talked about the coming Messiah under the image of the shepherd. And in the nation's darkest hour, Ezekiel shone the brightest light because the shepherd's saviour, the Messiah, was going to come. Verse 23 and verse 24. God had promised through Ezekiel that though Israel. Had been ill served through false shepherds. Now, the false shepherds that are spoken of from verse 1 to 10 in the chapter, we didn't read that part of the chapter, are not priests, are not pastors, are not ministers. But the shepherds there were political leaders. They were kings, they were those who were the rulers of authority. And they had failed the people. As ultimately, I'm not blaming any politicians, but as ultimately all political ideologies will, they'll fail. Because political ideologies do not have the answer to the souls and the spiritual needs of men and women. But God would send a true shepherd. And that true shepherd would undo the work of the false shepherds. And the chapter falls into two simple parts. Verse 1 to 10, the work of the false shepherds is exposed and denounced. And then verse 11 to 31, we have the promise of the true shepherd. Who is this true shepherd? I have been searching the word of God, studying it over the past week, looking at this great passage. I've been considering it in the light of what the great commentators uh, have said of uh, days gone by. William Greenhill, one of the great commentators of days gone by, said of this uh, passage or text for this evening. Here begins a sweet prophecy of Christ and his kingdom with the many benefits which the flock Shall have therein. In the midst of all of the turmoil. What did Ezekiel give the people? He gave them a glimpse. Of the Messiah who was to come. And that's what I want to do this evening. I want in the midst of all of the turmoil. That's going round about us. I want you to have a glimpse of the Messiah. Not who will come. But who has come. And whose work we adore. And whose work. Yet to come. Will be the glory of his own eternal kingdom. I want you to see the shepherd saviour. Who is the key to restoring what sin has taken away. I want you to see firstly. We will say the singularity of this shepherd saviour. Look at verse 23. It talks here about one shepherd. One shepherd. I, I think it's very clear. I will set up one shepherd over them. Now some commentators, some Jewish writers especially, uh, read into this Zerubbabel, who would be one of the leaders who would bring back the remnant from the captivity uh, some 70 years later. Yes, but chapter 37 makes it plain that this one shepherd could never have been Zerubbabel. We'll come to it. Chapter 37:24 it says, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They all shall shall walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. So what was prophesied here in Ezekiel 34 was not Sarababal. What was prophesied here was Christ. The coming Messiah. He was to be the prince forevermore. So here we have one of the loveliest messianic prophecies concerning Christ the literal David had died many years beforehand he slept with his fathers he had served his own day and generation but now Ezekiel said in prophetical tone God is going to raise up one like unto him and so the prophet under inspiration he took what was familiar to the people the image of King David and he Applied it from the past to their future. And he said God's going to send one like and done to David again. Patrick Fairburn, one of the great scholars of the Free Church of Scotland. In his commentary on Ezekiel. Says shall we consider the name of the father here to be put for the name of the son. Shall we merely substitute Messiah for David. And hold that with this exception the whole description must be understood according to the letter. I personally do not believe that this is a prophecy, as some do, concerning a resurrected David who's going to rule over a national Israel. This is an idealized David. This is David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's designated as my servant, David. Literally, of course, and figuratively, David was a shepherd over Israel. He was a type of the Messiah who was to come. There were many false ones who went before him. But according to Ezekiel 34, there was ever only one true shepherd. There was ever only one true savior. And he was designated (coughs) as my servant David, a prince among them. Verse 25. There are many today across the world who claim that Jesus never said he was divine. If you talk to a Muslim, this is one of the, the first things that they will throw up at you. Well, Jesus never said he was divine. But that's a grave error. And I know it's a grave error because Jesus took this passage here in Ezekiel 34 And if you turn over to John's gospel chapter 10. He built up a whole picture of who he was in John's gospel chapter 10 from Ezekiel 34. John's gospel chapter 10 is the great chapter where Jesus said I am the good shepherd. So in John 10 and verse 11 we read that Jesus said I am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep that's a direct reference to Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 14 I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of them verse 33 of the same chapter the Jews answered him saying for a good work we stone thee not but for blasphemy and because that thou being a man makest thyself." God the Jews completely understood what Jesus was saying he was making himself out to be the good shepherd the divinely promised Messiah of Ezekiel chapter 34 chapter 37 he was claiming to be divine there was ever only one shepherd the promised Messiah and Jesus now was saying I am he I am the good shepherd he is not only the good shepherd in the New Testament He's designated in Hebrews 13 and 20 as the chief shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4 he's designated as the chief shepherd. There's only one saviour. There's only one shepherd. And if you will be saved, if you will be saved there's only one way of salvation. I'm glad that God has put the emphasis here just on the one shepherd. and and that's where I want to put the emphasis on the one saviour of sinners the Lord Jesus Christ it is not the church that can save you it's not the minister that can save you it's not the creed that can save you all those things are proper in their own place but there's only one that can save you and that's the shepherd saviour the Lord Jesus Christ what a challenge to the unconverted there's nobody else but Jesus if you're going to be saved and go to heaven, you'll go to heaven through him, through nobody else. What a message to every Christian. We've got a responsibility to get the message out. As we've relocated the missionary map from downstairs upstairs to the upper room, you see it this evening when you're up in it. And I was thinking of it when I was doing that in the past week in the larger catechism, question 20. 60, it says, can they who have never heard the gospel and so not Jesus Christ nor believe in him be saved by their living according to the light of nature? This is what our forefathers said. (coughs) They who, having never heard the gospel, know not Jesus Christ and believe not in him, cannot be saved. There's no salvation without Jesus. And we have the responsibility to get that message out locally, globally. Only Jesus <coughs> can do helpless sinners good. I want you to notice, secondly, as we look down this chapter, <coughs> the service of this shepherd. how did he serve the flock now how he served his flock is in stark contrast to the false shepherds of the opening verses so chapter 34 of Ezekiel verse 2 tells us that the false shepherds were men who were self-serving it tells us thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds woe to the shepherds of Israel remember that's not the religious shepherds so they would have been included that do feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks. So these were men who made themselves fat from the flocks. But who didn't feed the flocks. Sadly there are many like that today. Verse 3. They were so busy looking after themselves. They didn't tend to the flocks. Verse 4. Nor did they show any compassion to the flocks. They were heartless. To the flocks. And we have political elite. And political leaders across our land. And are they worried about you and I? Are they worried about our economic circumstances? How we're surviving etc. Not a bit of it. They're worried just about themselves. And they know how to just look after themselves. And it was the same in Ezekiel chapter 34. They were indifferent. These false shepherds. They didn't look for the sheep when they were lost. They didn't tend for the flock when they needed tending for. There was no service. So the contrast could not be greater with the true shepherd. In verse 11 to 16. Let me just highlight some things for you very quickly. So look at the the personal pronoun that is used. Verse 11. It tells us, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am even I will both search my sheep and seek them out. Here's the great shepherd speaking and he's doing the work. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He didn't send anybody else to do it. He said, I am doing it. And so time and time again, some 10, 11 times with this personal pronoun used, the the true shepherd seeks out his sheep. Now Jesus used this very text in the parable that he told in Luke's gospel chapter 15 verse 3 to 7 when he told the parable of the shepherd who left the ninety and 99 in the fold the ones that were safe and secure and he went after the one that was lost there were a hundred and he went after the one that was lost he knew that lost sheep and he went searching for that lost sheep and he didn't rest until he found that lost sheep And we have a saviour and he's interested not just in the multitudes. He's interested in you the individual. And he's searching for you. And God in his great providence because he's in control of all things. He's brought you to this meeting tonight. Why? Because he's looking for you. He's searching for you. I love those verses in Luke 19 and 10. It tells us the son of man has come to seek and to save That which was lost. He's seeking, searching for the individual, for you, for the young person, for the man or woman in the meeting uh, tonight without the saviour. I want you to know in your heart and mind you're the one he's looking for. And he's found you here in these meetings. In contrast to the false shepherd. The hirelings uh, didn't have the care of the needs of the flock upon their heart. Because in verse 12 we read that only this one shepherd can deliver them out of the dark places. How many people across our land tonight are in dark places? It speaks there at the latter part of verse 12. In that cloudy and dark day. And for many tonight across the land they're living in a cloudy and a dark day. They've come into a dark place in their life. There's, there's just no way out. Sometimes people phone me up. Uh, And they're in dire straits and in in dark places. And they, they feel they have no way out of that dark place. But here's the shepherd and he's going into the dark place. He's going into the cloudy day and he's seeking out those that are in the dark places and under that great cloud. And you might feel yourself to be under a great cloud this evening. Maybe it's a great cloud of sin, a great cloud of guilt. Maybe you're in that dark place while well, he's sicken you. Only he can bring you, you, to the land of promise. Verse thirteen. Only he knows what is best for your soul. He knows how to feed you. He knows the spiritual food that you need. I love this verse in verse sixteen that he binds up the broken. Not wonderful. He binds up the broken, those sheep that, that had bones that were broken and, and limbs that were marred. He knew exactly how to bind them up. And I'm glad the Lord Jesus still knows how to bind up broken legs and put them together again. He strengthens that which is sickly and the weakly. What a, what a service he yields to the flock. No one could question the compassion of this shepherd. We've been reading the counterpart in the New Testament in John's Gospel chapter 10. And what did Jesus say? What he did for the sheep. He said I, verse 15, he said I again, I, I lay down my life for the sheep. I, do it, I lay down my life for the sheep. David, he pictured this in many different ways. Psalm 22 is that great messianic psalm. The opening words just take us to the cross. Verse one: My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And the words of my roaring. Here at the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, He was forsaken by the Father, as He bore the guilt, the sin, the punishment of the sheep of His pasture. It was all prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. In verse 17, Psalm 22, Jesus said, I may tell all my bones, they look and stir upon me. Those bones, those that were out of joint on the cross of Calvary. In those great prophetical words of Isaiah 53 and 10, it said, It pleased the Lord. That's Jehovah to bruise him. It pleased Jehovah to bruise the son for the salvation of the sheep. I laid down my life, For the sheep. He hath put him to grief. God did it. Jehovah did it. Jehovah put the sins of the sheep upon the Son so that they might be saved in the day of God's wrath. Here we're taught Ezekiel 34, John's Gospel, chapter 10, these two chapters that that join so lovely together were taught concerning the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thought last Lord's Day evening. About the preaching of the cross. And there's nothing but the cross. That will bring salvation to the lost. And Jehovah bruised his son. He put him to grief. In order that he might be the supreme offering for sin. The self-sacrifice of the Shepherd saviour. Was so that sinners would be saved. I'm glad tonight I can tell you. There's salvation for you. You might be in the dark place. It might be a cloudy day for you, but there's a saviour who shed his blood that you might be saved. And we're glad that 1 John 1 and 7 is still in the book of God, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know what that simply means? It continues to cleanse from all sin. The blood still cleanses. The power that's in the blood of the shepherd is still working to save those that are in the dark and cloudy place. What was he doing? Well, he was dying in the guilty room instead of the flock. And that's why Paul could come and say in Galatians 2 and 20, The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That's why every Christian can say that tonight. I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he is loved me tongue can never tell on the cross he suffered shed his blood and died that i might ever in his love confide i we thank god for the shepherd the lord jesus christ there's a third thought here tonight it's a very solemn thought really the shep the separation made by this shepherd verse 17 Verse 17 it says As for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God Behold I judge between cattle and cattle Between the rams and the he goats The word for cattle can be alternatively translated Small cattle of lambs and kids This was a mixed flock There's always a mixed flock Wherever congregations gather There's always a mixed flock There's a mixed flock here this evening There are those that are truly the Lord's. There are those that are not the Lord's. And the language, the metaphorical language, changes slightly here. But the truth remains the same. Because the Lord separates the sheep and the goats. The New Testament counterpart, again, is in the John's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 3. (coughs) This John 10, Ezekiel 34 are are inextricably linked together. So John 10 verse 3. We read in those opening verses that Jesus said about the sheepfold. To him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth them. He calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Every shepherd in Israel put their their sheep into a, a collective fold at night. And in the morning that shepherd would come along and he would call and the sheep would respond to his (coughs) his voice. And they would follow him. Now let me apply that truth. (coughs) There are some amongst the professing flock of God who pretend to be sheep whilst all the time they're goats who pretend to be Christians whilst all the time they're (coughs) non-Christians and you can deceive ministers, elders other fellow Christians but do you know your own heart and do you know your own soul and above everything else you can't deceive almighty God there are many (coughs) who, many goats as we could put it like that who mix with the sheep, the true flock of Christ. They mix with them. They share the blessings of them. I want to tell you, the greatest blessing that you will have this week is being enabled to come to the means of grace on the Sabbath day and to hear words of life. You're mixing with the sheep. But you don't belong to the shepherd. Hypocritical professors, professors, They do more harm to the cause of the flock than anything else. They bring shame and reproach upon the flock. They think it's a small thing that they're doing. The sheep. The goat hiding amongst the sheep. But God counts it a great wickedness. Verse 18. Verse 16. You know there's a day coming. A great day of recompense coming. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6 it says seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, be it at death or be it at the second advent, he's not coming back men and women to take everybody to heaven. He's coming back to separate those that are his, the sheep, from those that are not his, the goats. For eternity. For eternity. Talks here about those that obey not the gospel. What is the gospel? Repent and believe. If you haven't obeyed that simple injunction, injunction repented of your sin, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to the saving of your soul, when Jesus comes back, be it at death or be it at the second advent, he's coming back in flaming fire and a judgment. What a fearful thought. <coughs> Out there are many across Ulster tonight. Who, who sit in gospel meetings like this. Uh, and uh, we, we love. <coughs> we love to see them in the Lord. But they're going to be separated from us forevermore. Oh, I, I implore you. To make sure of your standing in Christ. On that great day. Make sure tonight. That you're one of his sheep. The final thought this evening. <coughs> Is the seal that's given by this shepherd to the sheep. They're sealed. I love sometimes. Here in the Mourn Mountains. You look away up the mountainside. And you can barely see the sheep. But you can see this this colour. You can see the mark of the sheep just bobbing around the mountain. They're sealed. They're marked. God has covenant seal. Put upon his sheep. If you go to. Ezekiel 34 again in verse 24 verse 25 I want you to see this verse 24 I the Lord will be their God that's covenant a eh, language I will be their God and my servant David a prince among them I the Lord have spoken it and I will make a covenant of peace I will make a covenant of peace In the Old Testament times when the Jews made a covenant one with the other. An agreement one with the other. uh, In order to do so they took an animal. And they slew that animal. And the the different parties divided the animal into two. And one half was put on this side. The other half was put on that side. And those that were covenanting together. They walked. They walked between the, 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 the parts of the animal that had been Sacrificed. They were covenanting together and so the word covenant it just simply means to cut through. They were cutting a covenant and God struck a covenant with his people through the sacrifice of his son and it's secure, secure for all eternity and it's one of peace. Not external peace but internal peace and eternal peace. With almighty God. And how was this sealed? How was it ratified? We read Colossians 1 and 20. That Christ made peace. Through the blood of his cross. In Romans 5 and 1 we read. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great seal. That the shepherd saviour gives to his sheep. He gives them peace. He gives them peace in the cloudy place. He gives them peace in the midst of the valley. He gives them peace in the battle. And those who are sealed with his covenant are made partakers of the glory that is yet to come. And the rest of this chapter I believe it describes uh, the glory that is yet to come. And it's depicted for us in the blessings that the flock will enjoy. They'll enjoy safety. Verse 25. Verse 26 they'll enjoy all of the spiritual blessings that are theirs because there will be showers of blessing. And the good shepherd, will, will he'll gather them all safely in. And he'll gather them all safely home. We love the, that final verse, when labours ended of the hymn we sang, and the journey done, then he'll lead me safely to my home. And there I shall dwell in rapture sure and sweet, with all the loved ones gathered round his feet. He's taking us home. This good shepherd is taking us home. Now I want to ask you as we conclude. Is a your shepherd? There, there are many and they love to hear about the theory. But I want to know what's your experience? What's your experience tonight of Christ? Is a your shepherd? Is a your saviour? If God has revealed to your soul that you're lost in sin, if God has revealed to your soul, I am outside of his fold, I am not part of his family, then you need to do something about it tonight. He's the shepherd who seeks the lost, and he's found you. That's lovely. He has found you in this gathering. And as he's found you, you have something to do. I was thinking yesterday of uh, Bartimaeus and I love that story that's recounted in Mark's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 47. (coughs) Again the same terminology as Ezekiel chapter 34. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he began to cry out and say, Jesus thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's the same son of David as Ezekiel 34, 23. He had found the sheep that was lost. Bartimaeus recognized all he needed from this shepherd was mercy. That's all he needed. He didn't need anything else from him. He just needed mercy. And he cried out, have mercy upon me. And he found it. And as we conclude our service tonight... I pray that the Lord Jesus as he has found you in this gathering. Will hear you praying. Have mercy upon me. And that he will gather you. I know he will. If you seek him and you cry unto him. He will gather you. And make you his flock. And give you that seal. Of having peace with God through faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. What a shepherd we have. In our saviour. The blessed Lord Jesus.